Welcome to session one, uh, Grown by the Gospel. As we know, uh, and which will be a pervading point during this whole series, we'll be talking about how the gospel is the means by which we grow. And so let's get ready to jump into this session on gospel growth. that doesn't desire to grow, to get better. Uh, it was a guy that joined and always dreamed about this particular team that he wanted to be on. And when he finally got on that team, uh, it was as if he was just happy to be on the team, but wasn't excited about the opportunity of what being on the team represented. And that's maximizing uh, his role on the team. And as he played his role on the team to make the team better and to contribute as the team work together uh, for winning. Uh, being a believer is similar in some ways in that uh, God has drafted all of us on his eternal team who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But we shouldn't use salvation as mere fire insurance from hell or just to say that um, we've had the beef between us and God crushed. That's an extremely important thing. But being a believer, God has expectations of us. And the Bible says, by this, Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so one of the ways in which Jesus makes clear uh, that we maximize our role on our team with the Lord is uh, by abiding in him. And, 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 as, and as we abide in him, he pumps the nutrients of his divine life to us to strengthen us to be able to be all that God has called us to be. Being a Christian, we have to stop seeing the gospel as the A, B's and C's to the faith, one uh, leading pastor said, but it's the A to Z. It's how we, uh, the whole of our Christian life is developed. The whole of how our Christian life is worked out by faith in this gospel. The most clear place where we understand this idea of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ uh, making its way into us by faith and God calling us to function in our walk with him by faith in the gospel is Philippians chapter 2 verses 12, the latter part of that verse in verse 13. It, it gives sort of a, a compatibility of our responsibility that God places on us for pursuing holiness, but then the responsibility of God to be the overarching superintendent of our walk with him to grow spiritually. And so on the one hand, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Working out your salvation there points to us utilizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by faith as a way to begin to vigorously fight, begin to vigorously work and vigorously mortify the flesh and vigorously work out our soul salvation with fear and trembling by grabbing a hold of all of God's means of grace that he utilizes to grow us. In other words, you're not going to grow unless you pursue the spheres and the means by which God grows us spiritually. So in verse 13 of Philippians 2, though, it shows that the whole thing is God's responsibility. For it is God who works and wills and works for us his good pleasure. Because he's the one that works in us to give us the commitment and strength 
to be able to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So the death of Christ, Christ's death on the cross by paying uh, our fee, uh, by God's wrath being poured out on him, him being buried and him being raised from the dead, that, that justifies us, that brings us into a relationship with God, but it also helps us to maximize our relationship with God. So it's not initiated by us, our spiritual growth is initiated by God. So he works in us by pushing us by the power of the spirit to grab a hold of prayer, to grab a hold of the word of God, to get in the community of the saints, to get under the word of God. And so in light of that reality, what happens now is he wills in us. He, he, his will, he, he works out his will in us by us pursuing holiness and to work according to his good pleasure. So God brings himself pleasure. This is crazy to me. God brings himself pleasure he gets the ultimate pleasure in our lives out of him working and willing his desire for us to look more like Jesus Christ, to be chiseled into the image of Christ, to look more like him. And so in every single area of our life now, we're now empowered. So what's beautiful is that God gives us responsibility, but the whole of the responsibility is not on us to make ourselves holy. God pushes us and gives us affections for growth affections for looking like Jesus. And, and, and sometimes when you're in those places where you're, where, where you're sort of in a place where you, you feel stagnant and you, and you know that there's growth taking place, that's not you just noticing that. That's God by his spirit doing the gracious work of putting the alarms on in you and signaling you that something's wrong. And these alarms that go off in your soul as a believer is a grace from him to call you to a commitment to the beauty of what it means to grow in holiness, to walk with him and be strengthened through the gospel. And so just as Paul said, Paul said, who's bewitched you in Galatians that you should start by faith, begin to sanctify yourself by works. No, it's the same thing. The same thing that began you is the same thing that keeps you. Uh, one of the things that people used to talk about Larry Bird back in the days, Larry Bird was just a beast of an athlete. But people was like, uh, didn't understand how a player that seemed to just do simple things, he wasn't doing anything fantabulous, but he was killing them on the basketball court. Know why he killed them on the basketball court? Because he used the fundamentals. He's mastered the fundamentals and knew that the fundamentals wasn't just for learning the game, but the fundamentals of basketball for him was how you play the entirety of the game. He didn't just see it as something that began his skill level and being able to be introduced to the game of basketball. He saw the fundamentals as something that should continuously be a part of the matrix of his game as a player. You and I in the player of the game of life under the authority of Jesus Christ by the power of the spirit through faith in the gospel must utilize these fundamentals, the, what we would call fundamentals. They're not merely fundamentals and foundational. They're, they're supposed to pervade and strengthen every single area of our life so that we can grow. Um, every time Paul uh, or, or any of the apostles in the New Testament gives an imperative, they have a gospel underpinning with it. Whether they're talking about sexuality and, and, and like a first Corinthians chapter six, he points them to the fact that you're bought with a price. Um, whenever Paul is talking about uh, uh, doing evangelism, he points to the fact that the spirit's power is the one who actually works and involves himself in the entirety of the process. When he talks about being married, he talks about it being an illustration of Christ's work uh, with the church. Uh, when, if you're talking about pride, he ultimately gives Christ as the means of the ultimate example of humility that fuels our ability to diffuse our pride and walk in humility. Um, you name the issue in our life. There's, there's not an issue in our life that you can't identify that the gospel 
by belief in the gospel, it, it automatically takes us back to what we need to be dependent upon in order for different areas of our life to be strengthened. When you look at the idea of greed, you look at greed, uh, what, what happens with that? Contentment in the gospel diffuses greed. Uh, when you look at passions, God doesn't tell you to stop having passion. You ultimately look at the passion of Christ as the ultimate proper execution of, 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 of passionately connecting to God in the way of belief in the glory of Christ in the gospel. I can go on and on. Matter of fact, we can go on and on. You can name the sin issue. You can name the brokenness issue. The gospel answers all of our questions. And because of that reality, the way that we grow, the way that we develop is the finished work of Christ starting us and taking us all the way through our faith. I love the old hymn when it say that grace shall lead us home. That, that, that's a beautiful poetic communication of the fact that grace saves us. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We're kept by grace through faith in Christ. And we're ultimately taken home by grace through faith in Christ. My prayer is that as we learn and grow and connect to all of the means of grace, we recognize that all we're doing is connecting to the means that God utilizes to unleash us to be all that God wants us to be. And as I always say, God is up to one thing and one thing only in our life based on Romans 8, 29. He's doing one thing. He, he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And the way that God conforms us to the image of Christ is through the glory and through the might of the gospel. God bless you. I was born in Patterson, New Jersey. Um, it's North Jersey, north of here, about, um, about 90 miles. And I was born and raised there, and it's one of the most dangerous, most violent cities in America now. I think it's in the top 10. So that's why I was born and raised, grew up, um, Christian mother, um, violent, at that time, alcoholic father who later came to Christ and is in heaven right now. But growing up in that context, in the inner city context of Patterson, New Jersey, going to church, um, sanctification um, surely was an idea that escaped me in terms of understanding. We went to a singing, preaching church. That's what I remember as a youth. Um, and so for me, being saved meant walking the aisle. Being saved meant believing in Jesus and taking Jesus into my heart. Um, a phrase that's not in the Bible. And, you know, those type of things and being baptized. It was all the do in order to be, but it was never the being. Um, um, for me, that's not what I'm saying the pastor said necessarily, but I'm saying that's how I caught it as a young child growing up in the church. Later, as um, I walked away from the idea of church in my high school, college days, um, and I want to say I walked away. I want to say I didn't believe I walked away because I believe that I had come through the door because I had walked the aisle and that the gospel was my 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 ticket. I scalped it. I scalped. I got a scalper hooked me up. Jesus. So now I'm in. So 
once I get in and get my seat, I can't be removed. So I'm good, even if I'm rowdy and a fool at the game. I'm not getting kicked out. So that was sort of where I was at. So I didn't believe I needed any church or stuff like that. I had received the ticket. I was in the game. I had the seat. Whether I paid attention to the game, cheered for the team or not, was, was not consequential at all. It was inconsequential, period. So for me, it was just a removed reality. Um, and sanctification was a word not something I needed to submit to. Sanctification was a Christian word like justification, like hallelujah, like Sunday school. It was simply a word. It, it wasn't a construct at all. It was a church word. Um, so, and I knew it meant something about clean. Um, but, but Jesus has washed me white as snow, the song said, so I was good. Later, um, as I ran into... <laughs> Uh, a thug of a Christian who got in my face, got in my world and, and asked me, was I a Christian? And I said, yes. And he was my friend. So he says, you're a liar. You're not. You live like a, like a, as he would say, you live like a pigeon. You're not a Christian. And I begin to challenge his, his challenge of me. Well, I accepted Christ back when I was eight years old and I got baptized when I was 11 and then I even got baptized twice. So I know I'm good when I was 12. So I'm double dipped. And he says, and you have zero relationship with Jesus. I said, how are you going to tell me that? He said, tell me about your relationship. I talked about praying before I lay down to go to sleep. I talked about my occasional trip to church. And I talked about saying grace before I ate my food. And not liking other religions. So that made me a Christian. And when he got finished with me, I found out I wasn't no Christian and I was on my way to hell. Um, and in that season, I, that reality was, Doug, you have not walked with Jesus. You are no different than the day you sort of said, so-called said, you accept Christ. There's nothing different about you. God is about transformation. God is about a consistent journey of growing you. Never forget he talked about growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that was in his Elizabethan English. And, and I just said to him, well, I've been a Christian a long time. He says, you haven't been living for Christ any time. So there's a difference. Um, I didn't like him, but I couldn't beat him up because he was big. And um, he was a former drug dealer, drug addict, rough dude, who was now a strong believer, who loved Jesus and worked for me um, as I owned my barbershop. In that season, man, I just ran into Jesus real hard, started listening, paying attention, and coming to realization. And within a month of that conversation, the Lord saved me in March of 1996. And I got married 48 hours later. And my atheist girlfriend received Jesus around that same time. As you saw in this session, the gospel is not just what starts us, but it's what continues our faith. I hope that was helpful for you to frame the entire series as the gospel as the means through Jesus Christ for us to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. 